Hi guys, welcome back to Typically Peachy. How's everyone doing? Happy Thursday. If it's Thursday for you, let's get right into it. What's new with me? I'm doing really well. This week has been great. This past weekend was really relaxing. I told you guys that I needed some chill time and that's exactly what I got. I hung out with friends. I relaxed. I spent time outside in this amazing weather that we're having in Chicago. Also, the fireworks are back. I think I told you guys about this last year, but between Memorial Day and Labor Day, they have fireworks on Wednesdays and Saturdays, and we get to see them from our apartment. So that is a really nice treat to have back to welcome in the summer. Another thing that was big this weekend in Chicago was that the Taylor Swift concert was happening Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Unfortunately, I did not get to go to any of the concerts, but the city was full of Taylor fans. Everyone was wearing their merch out and about. Not gonna lie, I was slightly jealous of them, but I was also kind of happy about it because I feel like more places play Taylor music this weekend because she was in town. So that was very exciting for somebody like me. I also got my nails done, which is one of my favorite weekend activities, even though it can take long, but sometimes I don't mind it, you know, just blocking out some time in the day doing some self-care. I got this very pretty greenish blue color. feels very fitting for the season. And then really the only other thing that I did this past weekend, which I will say I spent most of my time doing, is consuming a lot of content, particularly Vanderpump Rules. Now, I know I told you guys when all of this drama with Scandaval came out that I was gonna start watching Vanderpump Rules, And guys, I am here to tell you that I am up to date. I finished the reunion part two just a day before the final part of the reunion, so I've watched it all. And it is wild watching all of this drama unfold, seeing it all on the screen, now knowing all that we know, the details of it. It's so wild, everything that went down, that friend group is honestly stressful. I have felt stressed watching season 10. And this isn't even my life. My boyfriend's making fun of me for it. He's like, why are you so stressed right now? You don't even know these people. And that's fair. I don't. But I have spent so, so much time with all of these people on my screen over the past couple months. And I don't know whether to feel proud of myself or slightly embarrassed about the fact that I got through 10 seasons of a show in what? I think like literally two months or something like that. I don't know why, but I kind of feel weirdly proud, like, oh my gosh, I did it, I'm finally here, I'm up to speed, I know all the background, I know the storylines, I know the characters, I know everything. But then when I really stop to think about it and think of how many hours I have spent watching this show, I don't even want to think about that if I'm being really honest, but at least I do watch it sometimes at the gym or if I'm doing some mindless work. So it's not all just watching TV without doing anything else, okay, I promise. But regardless, I've gotten through it. I cannot believe I got to watch the final episode of the season with the rest of the world. It's really so fun to be able to talk to people about such a big moment in pop culture. Unfortunately, it's a terrible moment for some people. I cannot imagine being part of this drama and having to deal with so much scandal in my life. I mean, I know they signed up for this show but they didn't sign up to get lied to and manipulated. I feel so bad for Ariana, and she was not always one of my favorites, but still, nobody should be treated like that. 
and I really truly do not understand the appeal of Tom Sandoval whatsoever. He is very annoying to me. So is Raquel, honestly. It'll be interesting to see how this ends up moving forward and if this friend group truly never forgives these two, which I would not be entirely surprised. But I don't know, they've forgiven a lot in the past, so I guess we're gonna have to see. And I feel like I have to keep watching this show for seasons to come. I am in it now, guys. There is no going back from here. That's really it for kind of the weekend recap. Like I said, this week has been pretty good. Glad that I got to have some downtime. But I am now off to another bachelorette party in Vegas. It never stops, you guys. It literally never stops. But I'm excited for it. I'm excited to celebrate somebody that has been in my life pretty much my entire life. It's my best friend's sister's bachelorette party. And my sister is going to be there too. So I'm very excited for that. I leave tomorrow. Just got to get in the headspace to go to Vegas. Because that's definitely not where my head has been at this entire past week. So gotta pack, gotta get ready, but before I can do any of that, we gotta talk through some things that have happened this past week, some news, some things that are good, things that are on a need-to-know basis. Let's get into it all, starting off with what's hot this week. First story, like I said, Taylor Swift has been on the mind, Taylor Swift has been in Chicago, and Taylor Swift makes news yet again. According to Pitchfork, Taylor Swift reveals Haley Williams and Fallout Boy features on new Speak Now Taylor's Version tracklist. Taylor Swift has revealed that the tracklist for her new album Speak Now Taylor's Version, along with the re-recorded tracks from her 2010 album, the new release includes From the Vault songs, featuring Fallout Boy and Paramount's Haley Williams. Taylor Swift said that since Speak Now was all about my songwriting, I decided to go to the artist who I feel influenced me most powerfully as a lyricist at that time and ask them to sing on the album. She further explained on social media that they're so cool and generous for agreeing to support my version of Speak Now. I recorded this album when I was 32 and still growing up now and can't wait to unveil it all to you on July 7th. Okay, now why I wanted to pick this story is actually less about the people that are featured on this album and more about one song that we are getting from the vault on this album, which is song number 18 on the album, which is called When Emma Falls in Love, Taylor's Version, from the vault. And you guys, I'm sorry, if your name is in a song, I feel like you automatically get more excited about it. Bon Iver's For Emma Forever Ago album is one of my favorite albums of all time. Maybe that's a little bit selfish, but I mean, come on, that's an amazing album. I love Bon Iver, and I would not be surprised if he's featured on that song. I don't know that to be true, but I feel like it would fit perfectly, considering that they've worked together, that he's been featured before, considering that she's bringing in the name Emma, that he has a whole album surrounding that name. I feel like it would be the perfect mix. If you guys are also excited for this, excited for the re-record of this album, all the new Vault songs, I feel like Speak Now is an album that so many people love, myself included, so I'm definitely looking forward to it. It is coming out July 7th, mark your calendars. Next up for what's hot, some TV news, and some international TV news at that. According to Variety.com, female-led version of The Office to begin production in Australia. 
The Office comedy franchise will see middle management led by a woman for the first time in an Australian version that will play on Amazon's Prime Video. Australian comedian and actor Felicity Ward will portray Hannah Howard, the MD of packaging company Flynnley Craddock in The Office Australia. In a post-COVID plot twist, Howard gets news from head office that her branch will be shutting down and that staff will have to work from home. She goes into survival mode, making promises she can't keep and launches outlandish plots in order to keep her, quote, work family together. The Australian adaptation is the 13th iteration of the show that was originally created by Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. Other international retreats have included those in France, Canada, Chile, Israel, and the Middle East. Filming of the eight-part series will commence in Sydney in June. Production is by Prime Video, BBC Studios Australia, and New Zealand, and Bunya Entertainment. The show will be branded as an Amazon original and launch on Prime Video worldwide, excluding the U.S., in 2024. Gervais, co-creator, co-writer, and star of the original UK version said, I'm very excited about Australia remaking my little show from the turn of the century. Office politics have changed a bit in 20 years, so can't wait to see how they navigate a modern-day David Brent. All right, guys, so I feel like that's pretty exciting news, although I was surprised to see that this is the 13th iteration of this show. Talk about adaptation after adaptation after adaptation. That is a lot. 13. To be fair, though, I think that this is a show that could work so expertly and uniquely based on small tweaks. It really is such a great, funny concept. I love the U.S. version of The Office. I think that it's so funny. It was a show that I would watch with my family when I was younger. So it's definitely a staple in my mind. So I'm excited to see how this one turns out. It does say it's launching on Prime Video Worldwide, excluding the U.S. in 2024. So not totally sure if the U.S. is going to be able to watch it or if I'm going to need to use a VPN. Possibly more to come there, but I'm sure that you will be able to view this in the U.S. We will see how this version stacks up against the other iterations, but knowing what we already know about it, I feel hopeful. Stay tuned for 2024. All right, guys, and last up for what's hot, one more story that's going to lead us into what's good, and I'll get into whether it deserves to be in the what's good section or not. We'll talk about it. Let's start with the story. This is about a show that has been widely talked about already, and it just came out on HBO this past Sunday. The show that I'm talking about is The Idol. I'm going to read you guys the summary for the show first, then we'll get into the story, then we'll get into the what's good section to discuss my opinions about it all. A bit of a blended mess here, okay? So here's your summary for The Idol. After having a nervous breakdown that caused the cancellation of her last tour, an aspiring pop star begins a complicated relationship with a self-help guru and the head of a contemporary cult. All right, now for the story. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the Idol stars defend controversial show, quote, we always knew we were going to make something provocative. The series, which premiered at the Cannes Festival last month, stars Lily Rose Depp as Jocelyn, a pop star trying to make a comeback after a nervous breakdown, and Abel Tesfaye, aka The Weeknd, 
as a nightclub manager and a self-help guru working with her to achieve said comeback. It was created by Sam Levinson, who also created Euphoria, Tess Faye, and Reza Fahim. Early on, the promotional materials for the show leaned into its edginess, calling Levinson and Tess Faye, quote, the sick and twisted minds behind the sleaziest love story in all of Hollywood. But then, the show became the subject of unfavorable attention when Rolling Stone published an expose, alleging that it went, quote, wildly, disgustingly off the rails after cast changes and the departure of original director Amy Simetz. In an interview published by the New York Times over the weekend, Tess Faye, Depp, and Levinson defended the series and urged people to watch with an open mind, but noted that they never intended to make a family show. Depp said, quote, We always knew that we were going to make something that was going to be provocative, and perhaps not for everyone. That was a draw for all of us. I don't think any of us were interested in making anything that was going to be, you know, fun for the whole family. Tesfaye agreed with this sentiment, saying, When I first started making music, it was the exact same thing. It was provocative, and I knew it was going to be tough for people, and a lot of people didn't like it. Not to compare it, but I feel that this is kind of that again. This is not going to be for everyone, and that's fine. We're not politicians. Alright, and obviously so many other outlets have covered this story as well, and I do just want to read one little snippet from E! News. They write that the creator, Sam Levinson, has since pushed back against the criticism and in a way also cheekily embraced. He told reporters in Cannes the day after the premiere, quote, When my wife read me the article, I looked at her and I said, I think we're about to have the biggest show of the summer. Inu says that as the makers of Don't Worry Darling might venture, not all press is good press, and reviews of the first two episodes of The Idol range from Rolling Stone's observation, really doubling down on its previous reporting that the series is, quote, more toxic and way worse than you've heard, to Vanity Fair's take that it's trying really hard to be shocking, yet is, quote, way too top 40 to rattle the squares. All right, everyone. That's the story. The story of the idol, the many, many opinions out there, so many articles, and I mean so many articles. I've read a lot of them now because I was interested to see what other people were saying. I watched it, I formulated my own opinion about it, and I'm going to bring it to you guys here because I think that it is very, very interesting that even though there has been so much negative talk about it, so many people were still tuning in, which is definitely a commentary on culture, which I won't get into all of that, but it is very interesting. People are still talking about it. So Sam Levinson saying that it's going to be the biggest show of the summer, I don't know if that's right, but I also don't know if it's necessarily wrong. In my opinion, and just my opinion alone, I don't necessarily feel like it will be the biggest show of the summer, because of how good it is, rather than how salacious and provocative and wild and outrageous it is, which that absolutely has an audience. And to be fair, Euphoria has a lot of that too. And you guys have heard me talk about that show. I'm a watcher of it. I enjoy it for the most part. There are some problematic things about it, I will say. But the viewing experience overall... I like being able to discuss it. It was so heavily a part of the zeitgeist. And this show 
feels very similar to Euphoria, but just a grown-up version of it. And I will also say that we haven't seen Euphoria in a while, and reportedly it's not coming back until 2025, so we're not going to be seeing it for a while. But this new show, The Idol, does seem a bit more vulgar to me. And I do kind of agree with some of these reports that are saying that it feels like it's unnecessarily that extreme. And of course, you can take creative liberties. This is a show. This is not real life. We see wild things all the time on our screens. But it does now kind of just feel like more of a pattern for the creator and the themes that he really likes to push out there in kind of this harsh way. Almost too harsh, in my opinion. Like, I get the element of being so drawn to something because it's insane what's going on on screen, so you can't look away. But I found myself, you guys, especially with that last scene, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about, I wanted to look away. Like, as a viewer, I didn't want to be watching that. It kind of freaked me out. And I understand that that may be the point, but I told you guys last week, I'll tell you guys again, we're all consumers. We can decide whether or not we want to watch it. And based on the first episode alone, I do not know that I will continue watching it because it was just a lot. And I thought about it a lot after I watched it, just thinking scene by scene, everything that was really going on throughout the entire episode. And there was very little dialogue that I can think back on. A lot of intense scenes, a lot of her smoking a cigarette, that's kind of been the meme culture surrounding this show currently about her always having to have a cigarette in her mouth, which is definitely a choice. But yeah, it was a lot of visuals, a lot of emotions, a lot of severe scenes, a lot of heightened situations. And I wouldn't be surprised if people get hooked on that. But at the end of the day, again, just in my opinion, from episode one, it didn't feel like there was that much going on. They were, of course, just starting to establish this world but one that I don't know if I really want to see. I don't know, you guys. That's why I said I'll put it in the what's good section, but I am by no means recommending this show because I don't even know if I recommend it for myself. One of my friends, actually, she was going to start watching this too. So we were both going to watch it on Sunday from afar and then discuss it. But then she ended up not being able to watch it on Sunday. She got too busy, but she's going on a plane. So she asked me right before the premiere if I thought that she would be able to watch it on the plane, knowing what we knew about the show, but having not seen it yet. And I told her, well, I'm going to watch it tonight, and then I'll tell you if I feel like it's something that you can have on your screen on an airplane. And I responded to her as soon as I finished the episode. I said, absolutely no chance you can watch that on the plane. If there is a child near you, or honestly just other people around that don't know what you're watching, they would be like, what is that? It's a lot, guys. It's definitely a lot, and I very much understand a lot of the criticism that's coming out about it from all different angles. If you want to hear more in depth about what people are saying critically about things that are taking place in the show, read the Rolling Stones article, read other articles on there. I could definitely see how a show like this could be triggering, it could be way too much. So I would say if you are thinking about it, just do a little bit of research before because I don't want you guys to be taken completely off guard at all. And then decide, again, it is 100% your choice what you watch. 
So I'll leave it at that. Formally, not a recommendation, but I wanted to share my thoughts because I told you guys that this was coming out a while ago. I told you guys I was going to be watching it, and I did. Cannot currently confirm if I'm going to be watching episode two, but who knows? Maybe we will see on social media that again, just like Euphoria, everyone starts to watch this show. I guess we'll stand by to see how it progresses. Alright guys, the only other thing that's in the What's Good section this week is your song. And it is a song that I have loved, that I've been obsessed with for so long. I know not everyone is a country music fan, but if you're going to dabble in it and want to know a song that has really nice, sweet, wholesome lyrics, this is one that I would suggest. It is called By Dirt by Jordan Davis featuring Luke Bryant. As always, you can find it on our playlist, Typically Peachy, What's Good, on Spotify. Alright everyone, now let's round out this episode with Need to Know Basis. The topic this week really came out of something that I was feeling last week. Last week on Friday, I released episode 8 of Excuse My Reach, my other podcast, The episode is called Altering the Art Scene. I had two gallery owners on. It's a great episode. Check it out and check out that podcast. Again, it's called Excuse My Reach. Anywhere you listen to Typically Peachy, you can listen to Excuse My Reach. So yes, on Friday, I released an episode of that. And as soon as I did, as soon as I put it on the socials, as soon as I tagged these gallery owners, all that good stuff, They immediately reposted it on their main feed. They shouted out the podcast. They texted me. They thanked me profusely. We had a lot of positive conversations surrounding it. And there was just amazing, supportive dialogue among me and these gallery owners. And I was really reflecting on that. Because when they reposted the graphic that I had done that I put on my Instagram for the podcast and they reposted that to their main feed, I felt so much joy, I felt so much fulfillment, so much support, so much encouragement. And I mean, it's not that hard to figure out why, right? Like these episodes, putting them out, planning them, that one in particular, coming up with all the questions, reaching out to the people, finding a time, interviewing, editing, packaging it all, putting it out, and then having them respond positively so much so that they want to promote it on their socials. They want their audience to hear this interview. And really the whole thing with these interviews is that it is really mutually beneficial, right? Like I'm so happy to have them on and to hear their stories and to hear how they got into the professions that they got into, specifically for these two, how they opened this gallery, how they started it, how they've kept it going, which then if people listen to that, It allows for people to get to know these two better and want to support them further. So it really does feel like a very mutually beneficial thing. But sometimes when you are the person to put this out, it is my podcast, so I'm doing all the work for it. I think when you get a positive reaction like that and you feel that support, it's just validating. It's like anything else at work when someone tells you you're doing a good job or when they want to showcase your work as an example for something because of how good it is, when they recognize the thing that you've done can impact them in a really great way as well. 
And thinking about this, thinking about how that made me feel on Friday, when they did that, which already I felt really proud of myself for getting it out. I always feel proud of myself when I feel like I've released something, I've put something out into the world that I'm proud of. But having them do that physical step, that to them, they were probably just thinking like, yeah, this is great. I want people to hear what we do or how we started, to hear more about the gallery, to hear more about our mission, what we're all about. So maybe for them, it was a no-brainer. Of course, we should post this. It could be such a little thing for them. But to me, it was really big that it made me think about the idea that sometimes we forget how easy it is to have a positive impact on people. Like I said, telling somebody that they're doing a good job, saying how talented they are at something that they really are talented at. That is something that feels so rewarding with Excuse My Reach too. Getting to encourage other people's projects and then having them say really positive, encouraging things about mine. It's just so nice to hear. It really uplifts you. At least it very much uplifted me. I wanted to share that because it did mean so much to me. And it also reminded me how much I know that can mean to other people. Remembering moments when you have felt really uplifted and supported by others, it makes you want to do the exact same thing back, tenfold. I want to keep making people feel how that made me feel. So here is your weekly reminder on this Thursday. Encourage encouragement. Words are impactful. Actions are impactful. So let's do some good with them. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you have an amazing rest of your week, a fantastic weekend. Spend some time with the people that you love. Say something nice to a stranger. Encourage encouragement today, tomorrow, every single day. And don't forget to stay peachy, my friends. (laughs) 